CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hello, Buckeye fans, and welcome to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I am Patrick Murphy with Bucknuts and 24-7 Sports, and boy, do we have a show for you today. Uh, It's been a day, let me tell you that. Let me take you a little bit behind the scenes here. In case you haven't heard, and I'm sure you have, Bill O'Brien spent three weeks in Columbus. He's gone. He's headed to Boston College. This hasn't been officially announced by the Eagles yet, but he's, he's headed to Boston college. Uh, I think it was first reported by Pete Thamel. It's done. Uh, Chip Kelly is expected to be announced as the next offensive coordinator for the Buckeyes replacing Bill O'Brien. That'll happen in a matter of a few hours. Tends to be on days like this. I tend to have things going on or I'm traveling. Uh, today I had to go to the dentist and had to, uh, I should have just assumed that this was going to happen because when, anytime I do anything, this is this is what happens. But let's get into it. Uh, we're going to talk about Bill O'Brien, about Chip Kelly here, what the Buckeyes are losing, what the Buckeyes are gaining. Later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Bill Curlick to talk a little recruiting. Uh, National Signing Day was on Wednesday. Not a ton to talk about, but oh, I almost forgot with all that going on. We need a beer. It's, it's beer o'clock at uh at the murphy household so there's the crack it's a great late's milk stout that's been sitting in my fridge for probably way too long so i decided today was the day to bust it out it's a little bit stronger than i usually drink on the happy hour so uh if i start slurring my words i apologize i don't think we'll get that far but okay so bill o'brien this there's been talks about this for i don't know the last week or so Bill O'Brien got to Ohio State, was was here briefly, and then all of a sudden, reports started to come out about the Boston College job, which was opened because Jeff Halfley, the former Buckeye defensive coordinator, left to be the defensive coordinator at the for for the Green Bay Packers, and that opened an opportunity for Bill O'Brien, who has been a head coach before, both in college and in the NFL, and then he elected or the the decision was up to him on whether to take it. Now, if you're not familiar with 
Bill O'Brien. Uh, he is from Massachusetts, from just outside of Boston. Uh, went to school in Massachusetts. He is his family. His wife went to Boston College. Um, his family still, or he keeps a house in Boston College, and is really tied to that community. Um, his son has a uh, disease that requires a lot of medical treatment, and that is done in Boston. Uh, so look, this was not something Bill O'Brien saw coming. This is not something anyone I think saw coming. And it was an opportunity that given his family situation, giving the need to, you know, what the want, I guess I should say to be a head coach, um, again, which, you know, I, I think this is my speculation, but I think he thought going back to Ohio state and being there would give him an opportunity to do that. Well, now he has that opportunity. Say what you will about Boston College in terms of the job and, and what it offers. Uh, we'll see what Bill O'Brien does there. I thought Jeff Halfley did a pretty good job, but decided to get out. So Bill O'Brien, uh, I guess the first question is, what did he bring that Ryan Day was looking for? We've talked about this already on this show, but he was a fit, not because he has some crazy offensive ideas, but rather he checked the boxes of a guy that Ryan Day trust, a, ride, a guy that Ryan Day believed in, um, a guy that he knew could call the plays, run the offense, run Ryan Day's offense, maybe add some tweaks here and there. Uh, but he was going to come in and do the job necessary not reinvent the wheel and the experience, the fact that he'd worked with Bill Belichick with Nick Saban, certainly a bonus here. Um, he was, you know, uh, just, he was the right fit. And Ryan Day even said that when we spoke with him this week, that he was, uh, you know, he was, he was the fit culturally, all this, everything. So Bill O'Brien comes in, he spends three weeks in Columbus. This opportunity comes up. Now he heads out. Uh, what you, if you're Ryan Day, you quickly want to find someone to replace him, right? You're only a few weeks away from spring practice starting. And now you have to find a new offensive coordinator. Well, as it uh, appears, Ryan Day has found that guy in Chip Kelly. And this, I know, immediately seems to generate reaction one way or the other from Buckeye fans. I've been paying attention uh, the last few days since Chip Kelly's name started to be floated around out there to what fans have been saying, social media, on our message boards, things like that. Uh, I think the thing to remember with Chip Kelly is that whatever he's done at UCLA, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a drink of beer here. Whatever he's done at UCLA, the guy has, created some really good offenses and even at UCLA, and I'm going to get to some of the UCLA stuff here in a minute, but uh, you know, you, you look back at his career, both as a coordinator, head coach, all that, all that stuff. Um, there have been some, some really good, really good offenses. And, and he's a creative guy, things like that. Now, has it always worked out? You know, UCLA certainly didn't always work out in terms of the results on the field. 
But when he got to Oregon in 2007, was an offensive coordinator for two years, then moved up to the head coach from 2009 to 12. I think you all remember those Oregon offenses and, and what they were able to do. When he went to the Philadelphia Eagles, um, it was a jump for sure to go to the NFL and try and make that work. But he had success in the NFL. Um, he was, let's pull it up here. I had it up earlier, but I guess I closed that tab. Uh, two years in, or his first two years in Philadelphia, both years, 10 and six. Uh, they, the Eagles um, made the playoffs in his first season. Um, he was fired at the end of the 2015 season after going six and nine. And then in San Francisco, things did not work. Um, he was, you know, having to, having to be some sort of GM and things like that. He was only in San Francisco for one year. Uh, so focusing on Chip Kelly as an offensive coordinator and what he brings, I think is exciting. Um, you can, you know, we could go back and look at the, the offenses at Oregon, but I think like that's a bit in the past. So let's look at what UCLA did these last couple of years. Um, this last season, UCLA with a conundrum at quarterback, switching guys and switching back, they still had the 32nd ranked offense in terms of yards per game, averaging 427.1 yards per game. Uh, scoring, UCLA. They were down significantly last year, but in 2022, number eight in the country. 2021, number 13 in the country. Where I think you he could help, Chip Kelly can help the Buckeyes the most, rushing the ball, a place where Ohio State has been kind of up and down. Um, you know, he's been in the top 20, I believe, the last three years at Oregon, uh, or excuse me, at UCLA top 15, two of the last three years in terms of rushing yards per game. His offenses have always been a guy or a, a group that can run the ball well. And I think the big thing to remember with him is when he comes to Ohio State, he's going to have a the kind of talent he hasn't had since he's been in the NFL, since he was in the NFL. And even at Oregon, where they did load up on things, it wasn't the kind of talent, you know, there, there wasn't an Emeka Gbuka. There wasn't a Travion Henderson. There were some really good, talented running backs and things like that. Um, you know, he didn't have five quarterbacks that could play at, you know, the 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 you know pretty much any school in the country. Uh, so, you know, I think that, that that that's interesting when you look at that. Now, again, he is going to run Ryan Day's offense. He's obviously familiar with Ryan Day, and that's something we're going to get up to in a minute. Um, how does he check the boxes when compared to Bill O'Brien and what Ryan Day needs? as his offensive coordinator. Cheers. I think there are a lot of similarities here. Chip Kelly, been an offensive coordinator at the college level. He's coached quarterbacks, which I think if you look at his, you know, if you pull up Wikipedia and look at his coaching career, it doesn't list quarterbacks coach and any of those, but he has definitely coached quarterbacks along the way. Um, so he can, he can still fill that void that that Bill O'Brien was going to do. Now you could make some arguments about how successful he has been coaching quarterbacks these last, you know, handful of years, especially at UCLA. But the quarterbacks at, at Oregon were pretty good. Um, and again, the talent at Ohio State. Plus, you still have Ryan Day there, right? 
And it's not like Ryan Day is going to completely abandon working with the offense, working with the quarterbacks. There's still going to be very much a, a game plan in place. Um, but so has offensive coordinator experience, has done it at a high level in college up to Oregon, um, you know, had to do it at some lower levels too. Also coached running backs. We talked about the running game, offensive line. He was the defensive coordinator at John Hopkins at one point, coached special teams. That's something we obviously know the Buckeyes are still trying to fix. Now that was all the way back in 1990 at Columbia, but some experience there. So when you look at what he's done in college, he has the experience, he's called plays, he's done those things. So similar to Bill O'Brien, he's been a head coach. All those things are are very similar to what Bill O'Brien brought to the table. Uh, NFL experience is something Ryan Day mentioned when talking about the things that he liked with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien had been the head coach to Houston Texans, had been an offensive coordinator with the Patriots. Uh, Chip Kelly does not have offensive coordinator experience at the um, NFL level, but he was a head coach, as I mentioned, from 2013 through 2016 with mixed results. Let's be fair. But Bill O'Brien also had mixed results. And again, you're not bringing Chip Kelly in here to be the head coach. He's coming in to run the offense. Now, what he doesn't have is the experience of working under somebody like Nick Saban, like Bill Belichick. And I think that's something that, you know, Ryan Day really could have used in terms of the, you know, Ryan Day is still a young head coach. I know it seems like he's been here for, been in Ohio State for quite some time. He has obviously, you know, carved out a great start to his college head coaching career, but if you think about where Ryan Day was in comparison to, you know, Ryan Day at this point in his career in comparison to a lot of head coaches, the, you know, he, he, most guys are just getting their start probably at a lower level. So having somebody with experience on that staff um, is important, but the experience of working with two of the best to ever do it, I think to give pointers to Ryan Day would have been valuable. Now, Chip Kelly does not have that. What Chip Kelly does have is this relationship with Ryan Day that dates back to when they were, uh, when he was, when Chip Kelly was Ryan Day's offensive coordinator at New Hampshire, when Ryan Day was was a quarterback himself. Uh, I think there are two sides of this coin. The one, let's f- focus on the positive first. The the relationship Ryan Day needs somebody who he can trust, and certainly he will trust. Chip Kelly, who has been a mentor to him since, you know, he, he got to the college game more or less the, that relationship has been worked through probably all the different ways you can do it. He was, he played for Chip Kelly. He then worked with Chip Kelly uh, at multiple levels, including in the NFL before coming to Ohio state. So, you know, there are, Certainly pluses to that. If you then want to flip it to the negative side, Ryan Day has hired another friend of his, another person he's familiar with. This was something that came up a lot when Urban Meyer was the head coach, right? Um, You know, if you hire your friends, how, how much, you know, will they be willing to push back on things and, and tell, you no? Um, the, that, you know, already Justin Fry is there, somebody who has worked with 
both Bill O'Brien, or excuse me, both Chip Kelly and now Ryan Day, now they'll all three be together. Is this the best case scenario? Um, we're going to have to wait and see. I, I think when you when you hire somebody like that, um, you are certainly risking, um, you know, risking kind of a, a guy who's just going to say yes to things, yes to things. They have a relationship, don't want to affect that. Uh, now, I will say, Chip Kelly, I have never met Chip Kelly, but does come across to me as somebody who's going to push back when he thinks things are not being done the right way. And that may be a good relationship between the two of them in terms of, you know, kind of the, the push and pushback, the, 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 the pros and cons. Um, I think there is, there is the potential for this to work out really well. Um, there's also the potential that doesn't, but I think the same was true with Bill O'Brien. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be very interested to kind of watch this spring, the dynamic between Chip Kelly and Ryan day and kind of how it plays out. Uh, because it's flipped, right? I mean, when they've worked together before, Chip Kelly was the offensive coordinator. Ryan Day was the quarterback. Uh, Chip Kelly was the head coach. Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator. Now Ryan Day's on top. Um, the the uh, the dynamic will just be interesting to see how you know it all works out. I think that you'll. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, certainly, the, the the idea of bringing in a mind like Chip Kelly in terms of running this offense is one that is rather enticing. Um, now, I saw somebody ask in the comments that the you know about Chip Kelly as a recruiter. Obviously, he's done this plenty throughout his tenure. Um, or his coaching career, excuse me. He has had success, you know, especially at Oregon with the way they recruited. Um, now it wasn't at the level at Ohio state was, is currently doing it, but that doesn't mean that he can't get to that level. I also think that when you looked at a guy like Bill O'Brien, his biggest selling point was I coached Tom Brady. I coached a Heisman trophy winner in Bryce Young. Uh, when you, when Chip Kelly goes recruiting, it's going to be a different pitch, right? Um, you know, he hasn't coached a Heisman trophy winner. He did coach Marcus Mariota, I believe at the beginning of his career at UC or at, uh, Oregon, but the, you know, he hadn't become the Marcus Mariota that ended up winning the Heisman and, and playing against Ohio state in uh, the national championship game. So you, you don't necessarily have that, but I think that you didn't need this position. The that uh, this position as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach to be an elite recruiter. And I think you only have to look as far as Jim Knowles on the other side of the ball. You need to surround Jim Knowles with really good recruiters, right? Tim Walton has done that. Um, James Laurinaitis recently when he's been able to get on the road has, has done that. Um, you know, you, you just need other guys around him to be able to do it. And then Jim Knowles can be kind of a closer in, in those situations. That's not to say Jim Knowles can't be a really good recruiter. He just doesn't need to be. That has, that's not what he, that what everyone has to recruit, but that wasn't his main job when he was hired. It was to fix the defense. Well, Chip Kelly coming in is kind of in the same boat in talking about recruiting because he will be focusing on running this offense, coaching the quarterbacks and then recruiting. 
Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, co-offensive coordinator Brian Hartline. We assume that won't change now that Chip Kelly is coming in. That was the the title he was switched to, pivoted to, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he can recruit. You know, Tony Alford can recruit. All these guys, um, you know, have have proven that they can recruit. We're still waiting to see kind of how Justin Fry develops in in that capacity, but there have been pivoting or there have been uh positive signs in that respect. So I think that you um you know you don't need Chip Kelly to necessarily be an elite recruiter. And and frankly he may be an upgrade over what Bill O'Brien was bringing to the table in, in that. Um I think Bill O'Brien is probably a better recruiter than people give him credit for, but you know I don't know if it's it's either of those guys favorite thing to do but I don't think that was what Ryan day specifically was looking for, for that role. So we will certainly, uh, you know, keep an eye on how he does it. Uh, Bill O'Brien hadn't really gotten out on the road. As far as I understand it, we can check with Bill Curlick on that when he joins us here in a little bit. Um, but the, you know, so you're not like, you're not losing anything there. Um, in that vein, I know there'd been talk about Julian Sayan, the quarterback that transferred from Alabama and how, Bill O'Brien was a pull for him because he had been part of the recruiting process during uh, his Bill O'Brien's time in Alabama. Julian Sayan's not going to transfer to Boston College. I mean, it wasn't strictly Bill O'Brien that was uh, was the reason he, that he came to Ohio State. It was the chance to play at Ohio State. It was to work with Ryan Day, the the dynamics and, and culture of that quarterback room that you know have have been built and. You look at C.J. Stroud uh, on Thursday night winning Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL. Those are the reasons that a guy like Julian Sayan was coming. So I don't believe you're going to see uh, you know, guys like that want to leave after three weeks of Bill O'Brien. And, and Bill O'Brien hadn't been, even if he had been on the road, and, and I'll, again, I'll ask, I'll ask about that but, um, when Bill Curlick gets on. But you know, how do you, you know, he won't, he won't have a, a negative drawback because of that. So Chip Kelly, he'll be able to get in. He'll be able to, um, you know, hopefully get settled and everything before spring practice begins in a few weeks. Um, you know, we're recording this on February 9th, early March will be the the beginning of spring practice and, and away you go. Now uh, this isn't the way anyone drew it up. I think if you'd asked, Ryan Day, the, the way he put it at the press conference on Wednesday was they thought they had a fastball and uh, it ended up being a curveball with with Bill O'Brien. And this was before they knew for sure what he was going to do. And I think now you settle in with Chip Kelly and, you know, you you pivoted a little bit again, as I went, as I detailed earlier, they're not the same coach, but they do have a lot of the same characteristics um, and you know, the, the fortunate thing I think with this whole situation is that, you know, it's not like Bill O'Brien got here, got into the program, had really started to ingrain himself. And then this comes up in like April, right? There has been such a short period of time that, you know, it's almost, I don't even know if Bill O'Brien will, um, you know, be able to put this on his resume, um, that, you know, he was at Ohio state because it was three weeks. Right. So, um, it will be, it will be interesting to see how Chip Kelly settles in, 
you know, the, the players will get be able to get to know him. And, you know, how many of them got to know Bill O'Brien? Not a ton. Um, I think that it will be it will it will be fine because it didn't last as long as as it could have. You know, if this had happened, like I said, in April, then um, it will be a whole different. It would have been a whole different story. We uh, we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. Uh, I saw a few questions in here about uh, the Chip Kelly stuff. I wanted to answer. Um, ASK7 asks, transfer portal opens at UCLA. Maybe there's a right tackle who's interested in transferring to Ohio State. That was something I thought of pretty quickly as well. Um, but Chris Hummer from 24-7 Sports, one of our national writers, pointed out that the spring or the uh, win- so winter quarter, UCLA is still on quarters, doesn't end until May 22nd, which would be after the one month window. Um, So transferring out of UCLA right now would be pretty complicated. I imagine Um, I transferred once in college and it was already kind of, and this was in between school school years and it was a mess trying to figure out what classes and things transfer credits transferred and whatnot. So trying to transfer in the middle of a quarter would be more difficult now. Um, I'll have to look at the the UCLA roster. I don't think um, there was a offensive lineman that stands out. The yeah, so so I don't know for sure. But what I think would be more likely to happen if there are any players who do want to follow Chip Kelly from UCLA to Ohio State. Uh, it would probably be after spring, I would imagine. And this actually brings uh, brings up a point, yeah, not something I was going to get to, but while we're on it, Ryan Day um, mentioned this week that you know, they're going to evaluate the tackles that they have on the roster. And you know if they need to, after um, spring, go ahead and, and look in the portal again like they did last year, then they will. Uh, but they have some guys they like. Uh, he admitted that it's a big spring for a guy like Josh Fryer, but equally as big of a spring for uh, Luke Montgomery and Tegra Shibola. And so, you know, I think we we tend, and I've said this a few times in various places, I think we tend to forget now that you're still allowed to develop, even in the transfer portal era. Um, you know, Ryan Day is very clear that he wants to be a coach that, he wants a program that recruits high school players, develops those high school players, and sends them to the NFL, and then fills in where needed from the transfer portal. So I think Luke Montgomery is a guy who could very easily step in and be uh, a very good tackle for Ohio State as soon as next season. I'm very high on Luke Montgomery. Uh, I think Josh Fryer may make some sense moving inside to guard. I think the tackle experience didn't quite work uh, the way that anyone planned it last year. Um, but he did play well at guard two seasons ago when he filled in there, had to start a game, played a large portion of another. So, um, yeah, I, I, I had the same thought there about the right tackle position uh, or either tackle position, frankly. I think if you could find a left tackle who then you could – 
plug right in and then move Josh Simmons potentially right tackle. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either, but I don't think that that's going to happen right away. Now, you know, if, if a guy enters the portal, that's too good to pass up. They certainly will. Um, if it's a UCLA guy, then, you know, that makes even more sense. But again, it, it would be difficult, you know, just in terms of academics, which still part of this equation, right. Uh, for a guy from, from UCLA to do that at this point, but I guess it depends on your priorities, right. And, and kind of how you want to, how you want to handle it. Um, Jonathan Dickens asked, uh, do you think Chip Kelly will have, will have the special teams as well? No, I don't. Um, he does have, as I mentioned earlier, a little bit of a background in special teams. I'm sure as he's been a head coach and, and whatnot, he's worked with special teams before. Uh, but Ryan day this week talked about, uh, special teams that he wants to be more involved with special teams. That's part of the reason he's doing this by handing off play calling and handing off some of those offensive responsibilities as he wants to be more involved with everything. And that includes special teams, which I think is really interesting because if Ryan day starts to prioritize special teams, maybe Ohio state special teams elevates. And even before these last two years with Parker Fleming and some of the issues that Ohio state had, there still, it still wasn't, you know, at the, that elite level. Now there were some punt blocks and things like that. That stuff has been good, but I mean, I think it's back to 2014 since the last time Ohio state returned a kick or a punt for a touchdown with the weapons that you have in the building at the Woody Hayes athletic center and available on Saturdays at Ohio stadium or around the big 10. That just is insane to me that you, you, you haven't been able to utilize some of these athletes to get these big returns. Um, so I think Ryan Day being involved in that. Also, I, I mentioned this um, when he was hired, Matt Guerreri, the new safeties coach at Ohio State, the, the press release said that he would have additional responsibilities or something along those lines. Ryan Day was asked about that this week and said that, that Guerreri will indeed um, work with special teams, which is exactly what I thought those additional responsibilities would be. So I think that's the way they're kind of approaching it right now. Um, there is still this fifth assistant spot open, or excuse me, 10th assistant spot open where, uh, cheers, where they still have to, you know, or will add a coach at some point. Um, I think the way that Ryan Day handles that will be interesting. The last I heard, on anything was that James Laurinaitis seemed the most likely to be promoted. Uh, that is not, that still has not happened. So maybe things have changed there. There was, was talk uh, about Ohio state looking to bring in a assistant defensive line coach, which I think makes a lot of sense kind of given the uh, negative recruiting that happens with Larry Johnson. Then you have his successor in place on staff, but you have to find the right guy in doing that, the right guy, it seemed at one point was uh, Jason Taylor, who is currently with the Miami Dolphins. The talk has cooled there. Whether that is com the door is completely shut on that or not, I'm not sure of. Uh, but it certainly seems like the buzz around that and stuff we were hearing 
Um, a few weeks ago, we are not hearing nearly as much anymore. Ryan Day was asked about that 10th assistant coaching spot and said um, this, he was asked this week and said basically that he, he, ex- he expects to fill it. It could happen in, in a week, about a week. Um, I know some people on our message boards kind of took that and did some sleuthing, figured that uh, that could mean somebody will, you know, step in um, from the, excuse me, from the, Bill Kerlick was texting me, trying to get him set up on here, uh, trying to, that people were thinking that this would possibly mean an NFL guy who was coaching in the Super Bowl. Um, I know people on the board had kind of zeroed in on the D, the assistant defensive line coach for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, whose name escapes me at this point. I don't, I didn't read it that way when Ryan Day said that. I think, you know, in the past he's thrown out, um, thrown out some of the, the terms like a week and it doesn't always, uh, doesn't always work out that quickly. So, you know, I, I imagine that they, I know that they've talked to several people and, um, you know, they'll figure it out. I don't think that rules out James Laurinaitis. I know James Laurinaitis is very interested in a full-time position on the staff. He got the chance to go out and recruit, uh, for the first time in his career this, these past few weeks, because he was, um, excuse me, because the, the Buckeyes had this opening on their staff after Parker Fleming left. And we saw James Laurinaitis walking out of, uh, one of the team meeting rooms just the other day asked how things went. He said, great. He was out in Los Angeles doing some recruiting and um, that they, 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 you know, he really enjoyed it is basically what, what he said. So um, that's a possibility there. We will see where, what direction the Buckeyes go in, but now one of the two positions that looked like they would be uh, filled or have to be filled was filled. Um, Terry Slusher asked, any idea how soon Chip Kelly might arrive in Columbus to get this started? Uh, I would imagine pretty quickly. I think you look at kind of the timing of things. You want to get him in here. You want him to get acclimated with the players and all that. Um, you know, it's uh, there's not a lot of time between now and the start of spring ball. But again, I think it's better it, it happens now. Um, these conversations didn't just start today, right? I think you know, Chip Kelly met with the UCLA players, told them he would not be back as head coach reportedly this afternoon. So, you know, this, but this wasn't the beginning of that. It was conversations that have been going on for quite some time. And I, well, at least within a a week or so. And so I imagine he is quickly getting on a plane, heading to Columbus and going to be, uh, in the Woody as quickly as he can. Does that mean tomorrow, you know, maybe they give him the weekend, but you certainly want to, to get Chip Kelly into the building, talking to players, getting to know the staff, um, getting to know the playbook. You know, one of the things Ryan day talked about that Bill O'Brien had already done was kind of evaluating uh, the, you know, the, why you call a package, this 
this thing? Why you call this, that, the other? Um, and, you know, does it actually make sense for teaching purposes? Um, you know, he said that the, you know, sometimes they call it, you know, it's, I think the example he used was like, it's week seven of the season. We come up with something and, and we call it that because of, you know, whatever has been happening. Well, that may not be the most, the, the best way to kind of handle, um, you know, that in terms of teaching it to the next guys, because they don't understand why it's called that. And so an outside guy like Bill O'Brien, and I imagine Chip Kelly will do the same, uh, had started to point some of those things out and you will, uh, you, you'll get the chance to do that. The quicker you get into the program. Um, it sounds like from, from Bill's text, he's not going to be able to get on, but we'll still talk a little bit recruit of recruiting here. Uh, I am not the expert that Bill is. And so we'll, we'll have him back on at a different time, but signing day this past week, um, went by without any drama for the Buckeyes. In fact, you may not have even known it was national signing day on Wednesday. Um, Ohio state did close out the 2024 class. They did add, one more player uh, to the group in defensive lineman Dominic Kirks out of Painesville, Ohio, a player who was committed to Washington, did not sign with Washington during the early signing period as the Buckeyes kind of got interested um, after losing Justin Scott to uh, a flip to Miami. Um, so they, they went to a guy who had kind of developed more during his senior year, a four-star prospect, um, a, the number 32 defensive lineman, according to our rankings in the country. So that was really all that needed to be done on signing day. That concludes the, the, the class, which in our rankings, uh, is number five overall. Um, not, not the, uh, not the elite classes, the elite, elite classes that Ohio State's had before um, in terms of, you know, number one, number two, but, you know, average rating, which is, you know, per player um, out of 100, the Buckeyes are 92.8. I think only two teams, Alabama and Georgia, I believe, are higher. So, you know, based on now Alabama and Georgia, you know, Buckeyes only have 22 commits, the four teams in front of them. 27, 27, 28, 28. Um, so, you know, that, that's why that average ranking is, is important. Um, but I think what, what I wanted to talk about with Bill is, is kind of looking forward to this 2025 class. Um, the Buckeyes already have eight commits in 2025 led by two cornerbacks in Devin Sanchez and Naheem Offord, Offord, excuse me, uh, two five-star guys. And, the bump uh, that the Buckeyes have started to receive in the way that Tim Walton is recruiting is remarkable. These last handful of classes have sort of been propped up, so to speak. There, there've been other good players, but the rankings have been helped by Brian Hartline and the wide receivers, right? Uh, you know, the, the wide receiver recruiting has been ridiculous from the Buckeyes. So the, to see it kind of flip here and now you've got two of the top six players in the country, both cornerbacks committed to Ohio state speaks to what Tim Walton is doing. And look, obviously 
what Ohio State's done with cornerbacks under Tim Walton these last couple of years has has impacted the way that these high school kids are are seeing you know the believing in the the what's being done defensively um you know Denzel Burke obviously Jordan Hancock coming on last year Davis and Igmanosin after transferring from Ole Miss and the season he had um and then you know you started to see it a little bit last year in recruiting with guys like um excuse me I'm looking at the wrong year here um you know the guy or excuse me you saw it with last year's class uh the freshman last year with uh Jermaine Matthews and the way he played during the season during his freshman season Calvin Simpson Hunt who's actually the higher rated cornerback in that class um saw a little bit of time not a ton but Jermaine Matthews I mean he started against Penn State and had no issues whatsoever then in 2024 you kind of build on the success you had. You get Aaron Scott, you get Bryce West, two of the top 16 corners in the class. Aaron Scott just outside the top 50 overall. And Miles Lockhart, who is a top 30 corner, all four-star guys. Um, so you, you see it starting to build with Tim Walton there. And then this recruiting class, which let's remember, we're a long way from when these kids sign, but you have the number one corner committed in Devin Sanchez. And you have Naheem offered uh, the number two cornerback in the class. So you're off to a great start. And Tim Walton, you know, look, this is a guy who played Ohio State, then went on to the NFL, coached some college, coached in the NFL. When he was hired, it was a big deal that he, uh, you know, had a guy like Jalen Ramsey talking about he may be the best coach he's ever had. Uh, You know, so a guy who has within the first you know, a few years of being back in college and coaching at Ohio State really made a name for himself, not only as a recruiter, but also as a coach in terms of the way he develops and and uses these players. So I think that's pretty exciting now that you have two elite recruiters on either side of the ball if you're the Buckeyes. Uh, Looking beyond that, Ohio State already has their 2025 quarterback and quarterback, excuse me, in Tavian St. Clair, um, a guy who I got to see this summer quite a bit at the uh, the camps at the Woody and really like what Tavian brings. He was not as highly rated then, but I think, you know, playing at a place like Bell Fountain maybe doesn't get seen by as many people as, you know, some other quarterbacks around the country. But once he committed to Ohio State, once Ohio State took that commitment, I think people started to take notice. And now he's up to the number three quarterback in the class, a top 12 prospect nationally, so you, you've got that locked down, and he has uh, you know, helped to kind of formulate this class. They recently landed a top five offense, offensive tackle in Carter Lowe, also from Ohio up in Toledo. Uh, that has obviously been a position that Ohio State has not recruited as well. I mentioned Justin Fry earlier and what's going to happen, or his ability as a recruiter. I think this is a big class for Justin Fry because – you know, now you've established yourself at Ohio State. You've been able to to go around and, and introduce yourself these last few years to these high schools and get to know these kids. It's time to bring in a class um, of, you know, a, a more elite class. And, and I know the Buckeyes are higher on their offensive linemen than the rankings, but, you know, this is Ohio State. You should be recruiting Taylor Deckers and Paris Johnsons. Maybe Carter Lowe's that next guy. Uh, I didn't mention Blake Woodby, uh, also a cornerback in, in that top group. Uh, 
not trying to slight him at all. I was just talking about how it's, it's cornerbacks and not wide receivers there. Um, you know, and another four-star guy, you got Zaire Mathis, an edge rusher, top 10 um, player at that position. And then Javen Boggs, Eli Lee, wide, wide receiver, Jaden Boggs, Javen Boggs, excuse me, linebacker, Eli Lee, both three-star guys. Um, but guys that, again, Ohio State sees maybe something in that hasn't been seen by the, the – there isn't reflected in the recruiting rankings. You know, I think it's important to have guys where, you know – I mean, if you can sign all top-ranked top guys, great. But Ohio State has had some really good uh, success going out and landing um, sort of under-the-radar prospects. And, uh, you know, I think that's always been positive. Um, I, I saw a few people asking about Dorian Brew – in the, in the uh, comments here, Bill obviously would have been a much better person to ask about that. And we will talk about it uh, going forward. The Buckeyes are still very much, as far as I understand it, in the mix with Dorian Brew. Um, you know, they yeah, obviously you have three cornerbacks committed already, but that does not necessarily mean they're done. You look at what you could or will lose after this year. Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock both gone. Uh, Davis and Igbenosin, if he has a big season, he could be gone. Now you've, you've filled the cupboard better, but you know, if you can land three elite cornerbacks and one really good cornerback, I don't think you pass up that opportunity, um, you know, to, to really have a top, top secondary, uh, like the Buckeyes have built this year. Um, I think the same is going to be true at safety. You know, you're after this season, you're going to lose Lathan Ransom. Um, you have one more year after this year of Caleb Downs, but you know, you, you want to start loading up at that position as well. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the, the Buckeyes have, have changed the recruiting process and put back the emphasis, um, in, in, in on the defensive side of the ball. So we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't get Bill Curlick in here. I hope uh, we were able to at least get you some information on Chip Kelly and kind of the situation uh, there with what happened, why why Bill O'Brien left so abruptly, why uh, the flip to Chip Kelly and maybe what Chip Kelly um, has done. So, I thank you all for tuning in. We will resume kind of the the plan as usual next week. Uh, I had a, initially a whole different podcast planned, and then all this news came out today. So thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour, and we'll talk to you soon, Buckeye fans. Cheers. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.